just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast, one of the shows where Ed joins us. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. It's always interesting to get Ed's perspective on some of this stuff. I mean, I give the folks at home a lot of credit. They have to listen to my shit all day, every day. And for whatever reason they do it, it's a nice respite when Ed comes along and offers a more, I don't know, maybe more sound perspective perspective from a different perspective. So, Ed, thanks for joining me today. You bet. Uh, I don't know that I add much to you, Mike. I think you do a great job, but uh, I, occasionally I may notice something that gets by you or something like that. Or as you say, because I'm here uh, in my bunker in deep red Tennessee, <laughs> I have a little bit of a different perspective maybe than, uh, than you were either in Minnesota or Savannah, which although it's in the South, is a city and that makes all the difference and let's be honest i'm pretty much just sucking up to you for what reason i don't know because i've known you for years yeah i don't either i've I've done nothing but give you shit most of the time we've known each (laughs) other and and you've reciprocated of course uh but but we got a lot of stuff going on these days uh and we were talking about this before we went on here about all this shit that the media and the Republicans stir up with all the things they're going to do. They're going to cut Social Security and Medicare. Now they back off of that. Um, But it seems like it's all the same strategy. Let's get these people scared so they react and get sucked into whatever we want them to do. Watch our news source or, or, or get caught up and get scared inside with the Republicans. It gets tiring sometimes because I don't know that all people realize there's nothing to fucking worry about. No, I'm, the Republicans can do nothing. They have just a very slim majority in the House which I'm hoping will be much slimmer after some indictments that we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, they have such a slim majority that anything they bring up, and I'm literally anything that they pass, will not be taken up by the Senate, most likely. And even if it was, and by some fluke, they got enough mansions and cinemas and somebody else to go along with it. Joe Biden has a, a veto that they can't override with the numbers they have. So nothing that the Republicans do will make it. We're we're looking at two years of no legislation passed because they won't join with with the Democrats to to do any sort of bipartisan plan that would actually do some good. I mean, um, the Democrats can try to do something about uh, border legislation. They vote it down. They can try to do something about gun rights. They vote it down, no matter what it is. Nothing gets done for two years. Well, the only thing that is going to get done, that has to get done, is is with regards to raising the debt limit, something we've done 80 times over the last 60 years, something that's required by the Constitution to do. Well, we know the Republicans now want to use it as leverage to get cuts. They got exposed for the Social Security and Medicare cuts, so they backed off this. But here's something funny. Mike Pence, who has no chance to win the presidency, 
still wants to run for the presidency. He's got everything working against him. All the MAGA people fucking hate him. The regular Republicans don't want anything tied to Donald Trump, and the Democrats certainly aren't going to pay back him. But he goes on a show on Fox the other day, like two days ago, a day or two ago, and he starts talking about cutting Medicare and Social Security. What, are you just trying to sink your fucking efforts here (laughs) from the beginning? How stupid can you fucking be? Uh, It boggles my mind. All I can figure is there's some shadowy oligarch figures who are telling these guys, we want to do this. You better kowtow and try to convince people because we want you to do this. And we want to keep this narrative going. So eventually, maybe people will start to have some sort of acceptance of it. That's all I can well, Mike, Mike did come up with kind of a variation on this stuff. I think he thinks it might work for him because he, in his heart of hearts, believes that everybody is like Republicans and they're greedy and they're all in it for themselves. So what he said was, listen, we've got to change Social Security. This is what's going to happen. But what we'll do is we won't change Social Security for the year uh, for 20 years of the people that are now qualified social security we won't change it for them but instead for people after that which would be my kids and my grandkids we'll change it then and make it more privatized we know how well privatization does uh oh, yeah. ch- charter schools for example that didn't yeah. work out well so so mike is trying to stay on board with this 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 loser, but trying to adjust it to make it a winner so he can accommodate both sides. The boomers are greedy fucks, so we'll give them what they deserve, but their kids, we're going to take it away from them. And the rich oligarchs are saying, yeah, Mike's doing something. He's doing anything he can to get support, and he has zero support. Right, and then everything oldest do again, as they say, this was the Bush plan privatize, let you invest your Social Security or at least a portion of it in uh, whatever you want to, in the stock market, right? Well, then suddenly along comes the Great Recession. My 401k loses 40% of its value, as did everybody else's. You know, fortunately, we elected Obama and everything uh, rebounded and I made that back over time. I still took a hit, of course, because I lost some that I had to make back. But that that pretty much took that argument away because everybody suddenly realized if my social security had been invested, I would have lost 40% of that uh, or maybe more. And that's always what's going to happen with the stock market. It always goes up. It always comes down. Right. So and, and you can't convince me. I've never invested heavily in the stock market. My my wife did with some of her, her, her retirement stuff and it's turned out all right. But to me, the stock market is fixed. If at some point a few rich people want to crash the stock market, they can. If it's to their advantage, they can. And the fact that it might affect us adversely, they don't give a shit about that. So if that investment possibility is fixed, why do you want to wade into that? Why do you want to put your life in the hands of rich people who look down their nose at you anyway? Yeah, I mean, guaranteed benefit is the way to go. I mean, it just is. I mean, once upon a time, all pensions, excuse me, all pensions were guaranteed benefit, just like Social Security. But then over time, uh, wanting to get uh, their hands into it, 
you know, all those pensions got converted into 401ks or something like that. And now they're very vulnerable and people lose all the time uh, because of that. I know somebody who's getting ready to retire and they, they, they have, um, they're overly nervous about it, but everything they have is in a 401k and they're trying to time it. So when I retire, everything is up and I can do this and I can do that. And the fact of the matter is when we get to our age, there should come a time when we can just relax and kind of enjoy life in our golden years, as opposed to doing the juggling and the stressing out that we've done for the rest of our lives, the the previous part of our life. But they want to keep that stress hanging over our head, that uncertainty. I got to tell you, with my pension and my Social Security, it's not a lot of money, but it's enough to do what I need to do. There is a lot of a, a lot of value to me that I don't have to stress out. I know what my income is going to be every month. I know not some fucking dumb shit in the suit can fire me and take that away from me. I'm I'm set up and now I'm healthy so I can do things I want to do, like help my kids, help my grandkids, do things for myself and my wife. We should at the very least be able to have that opportunity for us for putting in the effort, spending as much money and as working as hard as we did leading up to that time. There's got to be some reward at the fucking end and it's minimal in terms of reward, but at least it takes the, the strain off our heads. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but uh uh, Republicans in general, conservatives in general, seem to want to take that away. Yeah. They want to take away that security that you feel. And and they also, they're working every time they put out an initiative that seems crazy. Um, like, for example, there are bills in the Iowa legislature and in the Minnesota legislature now uh, to bring back child labor. Uh, to let uh, uh, and what they're aiming at, of course, both these are agricultural areas, and so they want the the immigrant families that are now picking the crops, right? Well, they they want their kids to be able to get out in the field too. That's what it's all about. Or in meat packing, where it's hard to recruit people, they want to get the kids involved in that. And the old people. Here are two labor pools that if they can take away the security of the old people and they can lower the age for the young people, these are labor pools that they can dip into and probably pay them less just because of the fact that uh, um, maybe somebody is getting Social Security, but but uh, they're going to cut back on it so that these people have to go back to work, right? And, right. Uh, well, well, they're over 70, you know, we can pay a minimum or whatever. You know, this is... Uh, the, the big thing with Social Security, of course, is that they just don't want to pay their contribution because uh, I pay into Social Security, so does my employer. They right. want to remove that. They don't right. like that. When you spread, if you're a major corporation and you're paying in for all your workers, that's a chunk of change. My, my wife came up with an idea, and it, it's actually a good idea. I mean, if, if we're short on employees and you want old people to work again, there's two ways you could go about this. Uh, you could take away their benefits and force them into work that they won't or can't do because of their age or their infirmity. But there's another aspect of Social Security. If you take it when you're 67, you can, 67, 68, whatever, you can still work and make as much money as you want. 
which is fine. But when you're 67 or 68, who still wants to be fucking working? But if you're six, but if you're 62, like me and my wife, and you take social security, we are forced to make no more than $21,000 a year. Now, my wife loves to work. I like doing podcasts. I don't make much money off the podcast, so I don't really, I'm never in danger of making more than $21,000 off the podcast. Uh, but my wife likes to work, and uh, she needs to keep busy. But she has to be very careful about how much she works, otherwise it will affect her Social Security. So she sent a note off to Amy Klobuchar and says, you want old people working again? Let them get their Social Security at 62, but let them make as much as they possibly can. Then you'll get them back in the workforce in full force. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I do, too. And if it's their choice, I have no problem with it. I know people just like that. They will never retire because they enjoy what they do. To a certain extent, I did as well. There were other factors that led me to retire when I did. I was actually planning on working till the age of 70 to maximize benefits because I enjoyed what I did. But but, but, came in. but but your wife said, no, you're not fucking doing that, right? Yeah, exactly. That was the other fact. <laughs> but, she said, look, you can make the same thing you're working for now retired, so why are you still working? So, you, you know, I know there are people who love working and they work till they die. My father-in-law did that. Other people I've known have done that. But I think they're doing themselves a disservice. Like I say, after all these years of struggling, going through the trials and tribulations and worrying and all the stress and stuff, you really don't appreciate the advantage of having less stress and more freedom and the ability to do what you want to do. As much as you think that may not be a big deal, once you get the opportunity to do that, it is incredibly rewarding. And it, and it's almost, it's almost, uh, medicinal for you too it makes you feel more alive as long as you want to still do something and there are of course people who want to be a fucking couch potato and watch uh, game shows all day and drink beer that's not going to play out very well but if you keep yourself busy um it can be a very uh, a very rewarding time well I, i'm always amazed at these republicans who will lie so blatantly and expect that somebody will believe them. I forget the guy's name, but he claimed that seniors were always coming up to him on walkers with tears in their eyes saying, we want to work into our 90s to help America. <laughs> yeah, that's not and, happening. No, that never happened. And and how? why doesn't, you know... Every reporter should be allowed to carry a large croquet mallet. And when somebody says something like that, they're allowed one whack. I'm right. sorry. I just, uh, uh, that is so blatantly stupid uh, that uh, that's not going to happen. Once you have tasted retirement, there are very few people who would, uh, who would choose to go back into the grind, quite frankly. Well, my question, I- my question would be is, is if you put in all this effort and this time and this work and you do this servitude, there's got to come a time when enough is enough. But apparently yeah. Republicans think want to work everybody to the bone until they die and get the most out of them. What about the quality of life? What about the humanity of it where people can actually enjoy themselves in life instead of toiling till the day they die? Well, this is the thing, and I think the Republicans really see that as sloth or something for other people, not for them. 
they want, uh, it's like Mr. Potter who wants a thrifty working class, you know, <laughs> the, yeah. uh, and, uh, and, and I, I find that the, the uh, if you want to really find out what was going on in our society at a particular time, don't read history books. People who write history books want their version out there, right? Right, right. Whether whether it's left, right, or whatever, there's there's always an element in in a history book that uh, wants to portray something. Read the novels, watch the films that were right. produced in those years, and that's where you really get a lot of the real. Uh, real goings on. One of my favorite movies, and I just watched it the other night on the Turner Classic Movies, is called Holiday. And it's it's Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. And he's a young guy involved in finance and so forth. And uh, his philosophy is uh, he's made some money. He wants to quit and just bum around, find out what he really believes about life and, and uh, um, who he is and so forth. And then he'll go back to work later. Right. But right. he's why why can't I right now, while I have this the resources to do it, go out and learn about life and everything. And uh I can always come back and work. And that's that's not a bad philosophy. Well, it's like what people say. Um some people live to work and some people work to live. And I, I yeah. think that's something that uh we don't see enough here. People don't embrace life and try to enjoy life. They feel like they're always striving for something, so they have to work hard and toil now so they can get to that point. But when they get to that point, they say, no, i got to work harder. It's not enough yet. I'm still unsafe. And at some point, you've got to be able to say, okay, fuck it. I did what I did. It worked out the way I worked out. Now I'm going to enjoy life a little bit. I think we deserve that. I think it's important for people's mental health. Well, I agree a thousand percent, and I feel bad for those who can't enjoy what we're enjoying, that, that we were lucky enough, and there's an element of luck to it. Absolutely. That, uh, allows us to have a lifestyle that many do not and probably will not, um, especially with the way things are going and the, the way they're trying to limit uh, how, how, what kind of retirement that you will have if you have one at all. Now, most of my friends throughout my life have been artists, musicians, uh, people of that sort who don't make a lot of money and in many cases don't get, um, you know, they're self-employed. Yeah, they don't get pensions. They may not even get Social Security because they didn't have the kind of job that paid into it because, you know, they were going to a gig every night somewhere uh, 25 miles away and getting paid a hundred bucks for it and that kind of thing. Right. So, right. As, and they don't think about it until, you know, the, the uh, years start to pile up and then suddenly, what am I going to do? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 68 years old now and getting loading that equipment into the van and driving a hundred miles for 25 bucks just doesn't really cut it. Yeah. I, 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 I can't imagine, you know, my son, is fortunate. My oldest son is fortunate to have a job kind of working for the government and he has a pension. And I say, dude, hold on to that job as long as you can. Because I can tell you now as an older guy who has a pension, not a huge pension, but a pension, my wife has a pension. That is a fucking game changer. And that might, might be one way to, um, 
that may be one way to improve the employment situation for these employers. If you were to offer a pension, yes, it'll cost them a little bit more money, but some of it will come out of the pensioner um, and put people in a better situation. I mean, like, for example, with a pension and Social Security, my wife and I really wouldn't have to do anything else. We're not going to live opulently, but we're going to be comfortable. Um, but without that pension, then it's a struggle to try to survive off Social Security. And they'll tell you, well, it was never intended to support you for the rest of your life. Maybe, maybe not. But the point is that pension is a big deal. And if more companies offered a pension, which they don't seem to want to do, it might give them better people coming to work for them and keep them covered with employees. And it bodes well for the future. I mean, if you own a company, you don't want a whole class of people, elderly people who can't afford to fucking buy anything. So if you put them in a better situation when they do retire, now they're going to be customers of yours as opposed to employees. And 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 it seems to me nobody's looking at the long game here. They, it's all about what can I get now? I need my money now. Fuck you. You don't get any money. With the Republicans, it's not about they begrudge you getting your money it's that they want all the money and all the money is any money that you have too and that's where the problem fucking lies right if you you go back to pre-reagan there were lots of lots of people who had pensions especially people like firefighters policemen teachers there was there was a, a government pension involved with those particular occupations and uh, many have been eliminated. Uh, post office, things like that. I mean, I worked for the post office when I was younger, and they have a separate system from Social Security. You pay into the Postal Retirement Association, not into uh, Social Security. And I had to, when I left the post office, I had to roll that pension into Social Security. Oh, okay. You know, or I would have lost it. Uh, but at the same time, over the years, those have there have been fewer and fewer and fewer, especially guaranteed benefit um, pensions and so forth. And and part of the problem is really beginning with Reagan. Um, business became solely dedicated to the share price, and uh, that the shareholder was God. That right. uh, all that that had to be served, and that profit could never go down. Right. That uh, the worker, the uh, customers, anybody else associated with the business or industry was six, was strictly a bottom feeder compared to the shareholder. Now, it doesn't take long if you stop and think about it for even a minute, how wrongheaded that is. But coupled with that, they tied uh, um, executive compensation to the share price. Right. So now, if you want to make money as the head of corporation, you have to raise the share price every year. Or you, you take profits and do stock buybacks and so forth so you can pay dividends to the, the shareholder and, of course, to yourself. Right. Um, so this is what's really messed up about American business right now is because they do not take these other aspects of uh, um of business into account, and that means that they're going to suffer. They're not going to be able to have the kind of workers that they want that will actually um, make a product or service that that is uh, of 
proper value to the customer that will keep them coming back. So all they can do is try to uh, somehow cut wages, cut benefits, right. uh, make, a, make a product somewhere else in a different country, um, and that sort of thing. That's what screwed up the American way of life is this, this focus on this one thing, the share price. And that has to change. And the only way that's going to change, if we go over to the Smithsonian, get Teddy Roosevelt's big stick and go out and beat the hell out of some corporations and break this shit up. Well, you know, that, that that's the thing. You know, in doing this show, we have a lot of people that are of our generation listening to it. And I know that everybody out there that's of our generation aren't necessarily lucky they're trying to live on social security or whatever they can working part-time or whatever and there's a lot of people of our generation and there's a lot of us in this generation 70 million boomers uh that that are struggling and you know for a country that's first job is to protect its citizens you would think they would want to make sure that uh the the older folks are in a decent position to live their lives out, whether it be 10 or 20 years out there, but they don't, they don't seem to care. It's all about every man for himself. And that is contrary to how the government is supposed to be. Every time they want to talk about giving something back to the middle class, they say, Oh, we can't afford that. Well, I, I, I take kind of a capitalistic point of view. I mean, they don't think twice about putting money into the Defense Department, into tax breaks for rich people. But the bottom line is you and I and everybody else here have spent our lives paying taxes. Is it so crazy to expect that for our investment we get something in return? I don't think so. If I'm paying you money, I better fucking be getting something. And And for decades... They've tried not to give anything back to their main investors, and people have been satisfied with that. That's where this whole shit's got to change. If I'm giving you money, I better fucking be getting something. Well, this is the thing. I mean, this is the Republican way. You know, they take office, they immediately cut taxes on wealthy people and corporations, which reduces revenue. And then we come up against the debt ceiling and, and that having to pay for the bills and the money we've already spent. Oh, we gotta we got to make cuts. And the only place we can make cuts is in the social programs. And, and maybe we need to get rid of Social Security. And maybe we need to make work requirements on Medicaid. That's what we're going for now. I mean, can you picture that? You're sick as a dog, but you've got to go out and get a job so you can go to the doctor. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, this is the kind of reasoning they go by. But and, and the Defense Department, I'm sorry, but the Defense Department, I was a soldier. I did three years. But the Defense Department is the biggest scam, the biggest black hole that there's ever been. We shovel money into it like it was coal and went into a blast furnace. And the only people who benefit, benefit from that are not soldiers. It's the people who own stock in defense companies. We, uh, we invest money in programs that we, in products and programs we know will not work. And, uh, um, it's just a matter of spending the money and getting the, once again, it's, it's putting money straight into the pockets of the investors in these defense companies. We don't need to do it. It's also why we keep having these constant wars. You realize we were in Afghanistan for 20 years. We spent $100 billion per year. And now the Republicans are saying, oh, we can't spend $50 billion in Ukraine. We'll break the country. Right. 20 years, $100 
billion dollars a year, two trillion dollars sunk into Afghanistan for no benefit. Right, right, exactly. Well, and I think us. I think I think uh, Eisenhower said it best when he left in 1960 or thereabouts. He said. Uh, he said the biggest concern we have to be worried about is the industrial military complex. He was fucking right because that is a big hole. And all that's happening there is those people are getting rich and we're spending our hard earned taxes for nothing because we don't need to have as much money going into the, the military or the defense. I mean, we spend more at the top of the chart than the 10 next fucking countries. And and most that of those are Russia and China. Right. And most of those are our friends. So we don't exactly yeah. have to compete with them, but it's no. a scam that's been then put on the people. And for whatever reason, because the Republicans talk the loudest and talk the longest, there is a certain amount of people who, who believe it. Now you brought up the debt, raising the debt. And that is the big thing that has to happen in the house of representatives. And we're, theoretically at a stalemate where Joe Biden's saying we're not negotiating shit. And he's basing that on 80 previous times where we've never negotiated shit. And they're, they're trying to push the issue. They wanted to push Medicare and cutting Medicare and social security. Well, that blew up in their face. Now they're backing off of it, at least outwardly. I don't think they are ultimately, but, but they, they, they want to play this game and, Joe Biden's doing the right thing as far as I'm concerned. This is a game of chicken. Joe Biden will win this game of chicken as long as he stays strong and doesn't cave into these motherfuckers because there's no way that the Republicans are going to allow the debt ceiling not to be raised and crash the economy because that will pretty much end the Republican Party. Well, yeah, and you know, there's a, somewhere in the back of my mind, I think maybe it would be worth it. But if I were a younger man, maybe I would actually feel that. But I'm not. I'm 73 years old. That's not a battle I want to fight right now. I don't want to have to go back to work. I don't want to have to figure out a way to make a living because my Social Security check isn't coming because they crashed the debt. Right. And neither is my pension because it's, it's a state pension. So, uh, you know, suddenly I either have to go back and bag groceries at food city or something no right. i'm not ready for that no uh, and i have and the problem is it it's not just going to destroy if it was just going to destroy the republican party i say cool do it but it's going to put a lot of people in bad situations that they have no business being in I mean, that's the problem with our politics. They have these pissing contests, but we are the ones that suffer. And uh, that should not be the case. That should not happen. No, it isn't. And and um, one thing I want to throw in real quick about the, how the defense thing works. Democrats get suckered into it, too, because of the way, I mean, these people are not stupid. I mean, the people that run these companies that run the defense industry, I mean, uh, some of the best schools feed these lawyers and that, that do write up all of these things, and they're not stupid. They work out things like they'll take a project. They want to build some sort of uh, defense product. Say it's a jet, say it's a uh, boat, whatever it is, right? right? They don't do it in one place. They spread it out all across the country into as many congressional districts and that, as, that they possibly can. So they, they send a piece to Minnesota. They send a piece to uh, 
South Carolina. They send a piece to California, to Colorado, and then all working on separate, separate aspects of this uh, a tank or whatever it may be. Right. Now, uh, the congressman from the district in Colorado may very well be a Democrat, but that's jobs and that's income for people in his district. He has to be for it. If right. he's against it, he'll probably lose his job. Right. because uh, So they, they play this very well, so that even Democrats have to play along with it. And that's the beauty of it, and that's why, I, well, it's not beauty, but for their from their perspective, it is. But that's why Eisenhower and the people in, who wrote the speech actually saw that and, and warned against it. And uh, Lincoln even warned against it. Uh, he saw it after the Civil War. He said, we're in more danger now uh, than we were in the height of the war because these corporations have taken, have made so much money fighting this war but now they may actually be able to take over the and, and rule the the country. That was right before he got shot. And darned if that isn't true. I mean, you, no one can deny that major corporations and wealthy people have uh, a lot of influence on what happens in this country. Maybe even more so than than the vote of the average person. They direct things certain way, and they're smart enough to know that, yeah, we need the votes, but we'll make it look like it's working well, like you stated, and and, and get the votes that way because the average Joe doesn't look into it deep enough to understand what the true scam is. Right, and, and then they buy a few Supreme Court justices, and uh, suddenly a corporation is the same as a person. And this is insane. Everybody knows it. I have yet to see a corporation uh, that has a soul that they can possibly prove to me uh, that it actually has an intellect or, or that it uh, is anything that is anything like a human being. It isn't, but yet it is treated as such. And it has actually more, more um, rights than you or I do so far as uh, because now money is equal speech. That means they can spend as much money as they want to. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, electing their candidates, uh, where our speech is very limited, just because our money is limited. Well, and you know, people like to jokingly say that uh, gingers or redheads don't have souls. I'd like, yeah. I, I that's not true, because uh, I know plenty of redheads. But uh, I would say that those people that lean red may be soulless, based on the things they do, the things they say, and the way they treat other people, and they've sucked in these. Uh, constituents to believe the way they believe. I, it, it, for the life of me, I don't understand how anybody with above average intelligence could even relate to some of the things they claim and some of the things they say. I mean, I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene, a video of her saying, saying, I know. <laughs> now, forgive me for saying this. I'm not saying this. I'm quoting her. She says, I know just as many white people that are as lazy as black people. And she thought that was a good statement. That stupid bitch. Yes. That's insane. I, I mean, the fact that someone of her ilk and Lauren Bobbitt, Bobert and uh, um, Matt Gates and these Gozar. people, Gozar uh, Santos. And uh, who's the new one? The woman who's just as bad as Santos. Jeez. Uh, She's not Hispanic, but she has a Hispanic name. It's uh, Amanda Lu Polina Luna. 
Luna. And now there's another guy, too, that was a Republican that made some claims that just aren't fucking true. I mean, how embarrassing is that for the Republicans to have three members of the House of Representatives that have completely lied about their background, their history, their work history, their education to get jobs in the House of Representatives? I mean, these fucking people who voted for him were absolutely fooled and schooled and hoodwinked. And and this is who they're looking toward for the future of their Republican Party. it's It's got to be fucking embarrassing. Yeah, it's interesting that Santos and Luna both seem to have been financed by the same guy who has ties to Russia. Imagine that. Yeah, that's... And and, and, and now, of course, Santos is, is now going back to, yeah, I, I paid the money out of my own business, stuff I've earned, which there's no <laughs> proof of it. And he's going to have to be looked into about that he will be exposed but this guy just keeps doubling down i mean he's caught cold on every aspect and he just he has no shame he just looks into the camera and says i have no problem with it all i earned that money and i i uh, i uh, uh paid it out of my business and and now there's some other legal actions coming against him from the fec about him uh, forging his treasurer's name. Yeah. And and so he's he's got I I think right now I'd heard a story that the Republicans are in the process of of uh, coming up with a plan to running him out of office. You know, as much as they have a slim majority in the house, they really have no choice. They've got to get this fucking kid booted out of there cuz he is just cancer. Well, that's it. But also I think uh well the doubling down of course is is simply following the Trump playbook. Uh, you lose an election, and he knew he lost. He knew long before the election, the day of the election, that he was going to lose. His private uh, pollsters came in, sat down with him, and said, there's no way you're going to win. You're yeah. going to lose. And uh, But the night, election night, Rudy Giuliani gets drunk and says, just go out there and claim me a one. Yeah. <laughs> so he does. you know, and, and he's been doubling down ever since. And it's, they see that, so they, I mean, look at Carrie Lake doing the same thing out in Arizona. Where it's way past comical now. It I is. Mean, it is. It, I mean, it, even after the fact, even after the fact, Donald Trump and his organization hire a company to investigate and trying to find mm-hmm. where the election fraud is. Pays out a bunch of money, says find the election fraud, and they come back and they go, yeah, there wasn't any. And he yeah, goes, yes, there fine. was. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if if you if you're trying to pay for a desired result, I mean, you can't always do that because uh, eventually the truth is going to out, and there is no. I mean, did you ever notice that Republic, Republicans only want to fix things that don't exist? Right. CRT in elementary schools, uh, yeah. post-birth abortions, uh, uh, voter fraud—none of right. this exists. But they're they're always passing bills and and they're going to do all of this stuff to to keep this stuff from happening. But it doesn't happen. It's it's imagination. It is totally bogus bullshit. Well, they they, they want to be the heroes. They want to uh, be perceived as somebody fixing big problems, and in the process, they want to own the libtards. Unfortunately, they can't find anything, so they have to make shit up, and that's exactly what they're doing. It's infuriating, and I, I it, it offends me that people can't see 
Ted Cruz this morning or yesterday, one he he sends out this this notice. My team and I are closely following the events in wherever it was in Texas where the guy shot a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, his wife and he, our prayers are with the people and so forth. Now, this is exactly the same thing he said when the school kids got shot right. a few months ago. And he said, we're going to uh, we're going to make the schools a hard target. We're going to put guards. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. He named all these things. How much have they done? Not one thing. Not one thing. There has been no, no legislation to address this. Nothing. And that's Just like a, and the that, time before and the time before and the time before. It's always the same thing. We're going to do and they don't do anything. But that's what the Republican Party is all about. They're the do nothing. They talk a lot. They rant a lot. They rave a lot, but they never accomplish anything. And for two years, that's what's going to happen in the House, and it's going to bite them in the ass. I want to I want to talk about uh, this Georgia thing, because this is very yeah. interesting. And, and we can go into some of the delusional aspects of Donald Trump, too. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, Ed, let's talk about Georgia. There's a lot of stuff coming out of Georgia. I've talked about it on the podcast previously, but I'm interested to get your point of view on this. Uh, we know Fonnie Willis has been doing this investigation, went to the special grand jury pled the case, did some investigations. Then after the special grand jury, there is a report. Now then, she's taking this report to the grand jury to decide on indictments, but there's talk about, well, should we release the report to the general public? The media wanted them to. Fonnie Willis didn't want them to because she felt it would be unfair to future defendants. And since she was making an eminent decision, it was going to come out anyway uh, because this uh, the uh, the special grand jury said we want it released. They didn't say when, but they wanted it released in its entirety. So now this report, partial report comes out because, of course, judges do what judges do. They compromise. They're not going to release the whole report, so they release portions. And what they released was the introduction, the conclusion, and that middle part that's so interesting. Doesn't say any names, but the special grand jury clearly felt as though there was at least one, maybe more witnesses that lied to the special grand jury. And I don't know about you down in Tennessee, but up here in Minnesota, that ain't a fucking good thing. That's jail time. Yep. Uh, Well, it should be. Uh, It should be a lot of jail time, and it should be uh, maybe more than that. It should be um, fines. And uh, lots of other nasty things should happen to people who engage in that sort of thing. And uh, um, I was under the impression that they were going to give us a little bit more so we could maybe kind of figure out some of who some of the people would be. I still think we can. I think Mark yeah. Meadows is one of them. I think uh, um, possibly Lindsay yeah. uh, might be one of the ones who uh, perjured themselves. Um, I mean, I don't know if you could prove perjury on Lindsay, but you have I to. don't know. I, mean, I don't know. His, uh, his excuses do not hold water. Let's put it for why he was trying, why he was chiming in, why he was making his phone calls and stuff. Did you um, see the Lindsay interview after, after I, that? I saw thing? clips of it, but I didn't see the whole thing. No. He says, are you, they asked him, are you worried that you'll be, uh, 
uh, indicted for perjury? Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm fully confident in what I said. And then he ran away. And as he's running away, I'm confident. No. I'm com- I've never seen Lindsey Graham behave that way. He's no. always happy to have the camera in his face and him spouting his platitudes. But in this instance, he was scared to death. He got the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, and he has given a couple of different answers to the question of why did you even bother to do this? Um, you know, and, and I was fact-finding. Come on, why are you fact-finding with another state? Right. You know, right. you're not. there's nothing you can do about it. You're not involved with it. Obviously a lie. Uh, he did it because Trump called him up and said, Putin's going to release the stuff we know on you if you don't come to my aid. That's what happened. Well, let's um, let, 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 let's look at what Lindsay has to deal with. Lindsay was clearly trying to manipulate the Secretary of State, much like Donald Trump was doing. He either yes. can tell the truth and be implicated for attempting to overturn an election, or he can lie and hope against hope that he won't get caught in the lie uh, and, and, and get away with it. I mean, that's what people do when they get in trouble. They, they, they make an excuse or tell a lie just to set themselves apart from the actual crime they committed. And sometimes they don't think yeah. about another crime that they're committing. Um, I think Lindsey Graham either had to tell the truth and be implicated in this overturning the election or lie and take the risk of being busted for perjury, uh, not because it was a better option, but because it gave him a little more space to manipulate and move. And uh, he may be fucked on both angles. Absolutely. You do. You made a really good point in your introduction there. Though. I mean, uh, Fannie Willis is it's Willis or Fannie Willis. Yeah. Willis. She's uh, she's doing what uh, the DOJ should have done. We think. Now, yeah. once again, we're looking from the outside. We don't know what Merrick Garland has done or, or Jack Smith on this or, or why they have done what they done, they've done. They may have considered aspects that we don't even know to consider or or maybe even that the uh, um, the january 6 committee didn't although there were a lot of lawyers on that committee so right. so i'm not sure but uh she's doing what needs to be done here because let's face it i if they can't get him on this they can't get it because right. it is open and shut he called up he asked for the manipulation he asked them to find votes that did not exist, that he was aware did not exist. He knew there was no voter fraud because, as you say, they funded a company to go out and find some, and they couldn't find Diddley. So right. he knew there was no voter fraud, which he represented in the phone call. We know we won. Well, you know, the we thing know is, you didn't. the thing with, with the DOJ that troubles me, and I did a TikTok about this, and some people gave me some kickback about it. I've always said... You got to be patient. You can't be a child. You got to give Merrick Garland his room to do what he's got to do. He's methodical. He's going to do it right. This is a huge case. And all of that is true. And I still believe that. And I also still believe that there will be indictments coming from the DOJ. That said, it's a weird situation. The January 6th committee comes out with all this evidence. And it seems like the DOJ is trailing behind. They were waiting for evidence that the January 6th committee got, and that's not how it usually works. It's usually the DOJ leading the charge, but not in this case. And then you have Fonnie Willis down in Georgia, 
she may beat the DOJ to the punch because she'll come out with indictments. This little district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, may beat the DOJ to the punch. This has to apply pressure and be kind of embarrassing for the DOJ. We, we hope it is. We hope it spurs them on. But at the same time, they actually may be relieved because I think part of the problem was that there was just so much to investigate on so many different fronts that it was hard, maybe hard for them to focus. They have a certain amount of personnel that are involved in so many different things. And then suddenly you've got all of this that Trump did that has to be looked at. And right. there are other things that need to be looked at. They haven't even latched on to yet because surely they must. Somebody has to take a look at uh, um, Mnuchin and uh, Jerry Kushner and their billions of dollars from Saudi Arabia right. Uh, right. deals. And uh, coupled with the uh, the missing documents and so forth. And people seem to forget that uh, Trump very much wanted to transfer um to help Saudi Arabia with their nuclear program. He Absolutely. wanted to uh, allow Westinghouse to sell them reactors and, and uh, all kinds of expertise. Um, and Congress got into it and they battled it. And I'm still not sure if anything officially, if they officially approved it or not. I, I've read a couple of things where Trump went ahead and did some stuff. But I don't know. I haven't been able to track it down. And maybe there's somebody out there who knows more than I do. Or maybe nobody uh, knows anything about it, and we'll find out about it later. I mean, uh, I mean, at least Merrick Garland did the right thing, and he hired Jack Smith. Because what people have right. to understand is, Attorney General, you got to deal with all the Trump stuff, all the congressional stuff, all the January sixth stuff. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that is normal everyday exactly. shit that he has to deal with. So he did the smart thing by hire, hiring Jack Smith to focus on those two instances. The question is, what took so long? I mean, we've been dealing with this for two years, and now Jack Smith is ramping it up. He's he's he's, he's sending subpoenas to Mike Pence and now Mark Meadows, um, that should have been done a long fucking time ago. And if Merrick Garland can't handle it, why not hire a special counsel at some time before he did? Because it's just extending it. And, and, and my problem here with the, with the uh, DOJ is this. I've always supported the DOJ. I've always supported Merrick Garland. But there has to be a nut cut in time when you got to fucking yeah. do something. We waited for the midterms. We waited for the holidays. We've done all that stuff. Now we're beyond that. There's no more excuses for delay. But the deeper we go into this, now we're becoming closer to the 2024 election. At some point in the next year, something has to happen. Otherwise, they're going to have excuses to continue to delay. And as I've said on the podcast before, if that happens, you know who's going to pay the fucking price for that sin? Joe Biden and the Democrats. That doesn't mean Absolutely. that the Republicans are going to win in 2024, because I don't think they will. But they're going to pay, and it's going to put the entire government uh, under the microscope to everybody, because everybody's going to be dissatisfied with nothing happening. Excuse me. Yes, I uh, I agree with you a thousand percent. And uh, I'm afraid that if they concentrate just on Trump, which is what they should be doing because he's the big player, but right. some of these others will scurry back under the sink and they'll, they'll wait until 
uh, you know, like of cockroaches and lay there in the dark until they can come out and, and steal some more. But uh, I'm talking the uh, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boberts, the Gozars, the Biggs, uh, these people that we know were involved in actually, well, for that matter, Jenny Thomas, anybody who's involved in actively trying to steal the election, right. they can't be allowed to get away either. Now, I'm hoping that that's what we see um, with, uh, with the Georgia investigation, that we see some indictments of these people for perjury, because they would not say that unless they could prove it. Right. And they wouldn't go through this whole process. I mean, where my concern started recently with the DOJ is the Matt Gates situation. Yes. When they said, we're not going to prosecute. And their excuse was, well, you know, the the witnesses aren't credible. They're this, they're that. Well, their main witness was Joel Greenberg. Obviously, right. a slimy, corrupt fucking criminal. They spent right. two years with him. They cut him deal after deal. He could have been in prison for 40 years, but now he's in for 11 years. After those two years cutting him deal after deal, now they say, yeah, you know, there's not enough. He's really not credible. Are you telling me the DOJ couldn't, in 15 minutes talking to this guy, th see that he's not credible and just cut bait? But they didn't. They rode this fucking thing out for two years. Now, whether Matt Gates is guilty or not, who the fuck knows? Because yeah. the witnesses are not credible. I'm not so mad about Matt Gates getting off. I'm mad that it looks like the DOJ fucked up big time here. And if they fucked up on Matt Gates, who's to say they don't fuck up on Donald Trump? Well, this is the thing. And, and I, I have to believe that's the case. And as a matter of fact, Gates probably uh, wins to a certain extent because he can say they persecuted me for two years and then it was all right. for nothing. Right. Um, now, we saw that with uh, the guy in, in Georgia. Um, what was his name? Um, you know, who hung out in uh, uh, malls looking for young girls and, and so forth a couple of years ago. He was credible. He could have been credibly charged. They let right. him get away with it. Uh, there's, they don't seem to want to go for it when it has to do with that kind of thing for some reason. I can't figure it out, except I kind of, in the back of my mind, I think maybe there's so many people who are guilty of this kind of crap that they don't want to open, to, to let the genie out of the bottle, so right. to speak. Pandora's box. Well, you know, if you talk to the DOJ, they'll say, well, we prosecuted a lot of people, 700 people who attacked the Capitol. Yeah, just average Joe motherfuckers that don't have any money that you can easily kick their ass. But we have right. yet to see one politician, one wealthy guy, one famous guy being held accountable. And that's where the problem lies with our, our, our judicial system. Uh, you know, as I've said on this podcast, they want to tell us that no one's above the law, and that's absolute bullshit. We know a sitting president is above the law because they won't indict him. We know that members of Congress are above the law because they were part of this January 6th committee and as much, or January 6th insurrection, and as much as those, you know, those fucking Republican thugs were arrested, the average Joes, not one of them has been touched as yet. And Donald Trump stealing the documents and lying to the DOJ, he's not indicted yet. If you're going to tell me that no one is above the law, at this point, Merrick Garland and the DOJ needs to fucking prove it to me.
Yeah, I, I have to agree with you a thousand percent. And like you, I've been an apologist saying he's building the case. It takes yeah. time. But then when I found out that they were asking for all the January 6th material, I'm going, why don't you already have that? Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here in East Tennessee with a computer and a TV, and I know more than you do. Yeah. Because there weren't ridiculous. that many there weren't that many surprises to me that the January 6th people brought up. If you were paying attention and just watching television, you knew that Paul Gozar, you knew these people, uh, all of these people were somehow involved with it. Uh, it was obvious. You just put these little pieces together. And if I can do it, certainly somebody uh, in the DOJ should be able to. Well, and, you know, people, when I started saying that in this TikTok, people would come to me and say, you flip-flop. You, you were wrong, and you changed your attitude. See, we were right. Nothing ever is going to happen. I go, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I, I tell them, and I will say this about you, and I will uh, say it about me. you got to understand what Ed and my mission is here, and people like us. Our mission isn't to be the smartest guy who has all the answers and all the powers to do the thing. Because frankly, Ed and I aren't the smartest guys. We have no power and we can get nothing done on our own. We are taking a page from the Republican Party. The Republican Party talks loud, spreads information, and gets other people excited and talking about it. We're like Tinder trying to start a wildfire because that's what it's going to take to get something done. So when I talk shit about Biden or I talk shit about the DOJ, it's because I want you to understand exactly what's going on. I want you to talk about it and have somebody else talk about it. And once we can control the narrative and put some pressure on these fucks, that's when we're getting something done. If you're going to be apathetic and sit back and do nothing, well, then you're going to get run over. This is exactly what the Republicans do and have done for decades. The only difference between us and them is we're dealing with facts, truth, and justice. They're dealing with conspiracy theories and bullshit. So we're coming from a righteous direction. We're just using the same strategy. If you think Mike or Ed can change anything, we can't. We need all of you in the audience to get on board and start spreading the word. Well, and I'm happy to say that I, over the last five years or so, I've actually turned a few people, uh, yeah. people who were staunch Republicans. And just because I was saying, well, look at it this way. We know this is true. We know this is true. And we know that that's not true. So why are you voting for the guy who's spouting the stuff that we know isn't true? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, they have no answer for that. No, of course. And not. if they're on, I mean, these are people who are reasonable people. They just haven't thought of it. Or, the, or they trust somebody. You know, they trust Fox News, for example. Um, they trust Hannity. They trust Tucker. But I can point to them and say, look, here's Hannity on the record saying, I didn't believe any of that stuff. I didn't believe the election was stolen, not for a second. Right. You know, he's admitting that when he has to do it under oath. I said, so he was lying, wasn't he? Well, yeah, I guess he was. If, if he was lying about that, do you think he was lying about some other things, perhaps? Right. Well, you yeah. Know, and they begin to see that. Most people in the general public don't look as deeply into the news or the politics and analyze it like you and I do. That doesn't make us better than anybody else. Everybody's got things to do. All I want to do is 
be the one source that gives you all the facts so you can make a decision. You may disagree with me, but at least you know the truth. And from that point, you can make that decision. If you watch the media, whether it be the Fox News, MSNBC, or N or, or CNN, you're not getting all the news. You're getting just the news they want you to hear to get the reaction they want from you. I'm Ed and I and people like us are just trying to give you all the facts. So it's not about emotions. It's about logic and truth and facts. Now, if you want to be fucked up after you hear that, that's your business. But at least at least uh, something is being done and there's a source out there for information that's true and, right. and understandable. All we, have to, all we have to do is look at when Trump comes out after you know, the uh, the grand jury testimony, the bit of it was was released yesterday, completely exonerated, he said. Right. And, and it was because his name didn't show up in the report. Right. Well, nobody's name showed up in the report, right. and you're the focus of the investigation. But what did show up was that they found absolutely no evidence of fraud. Right. Or election fraud. None. Zero. Nada. So these phone calls, trying to get people to change votes, find votes, are obviously actionable. And I found out by watching somebody from Georgia talk the other day, just by virtue of Donald Trump, he could be president, he could be anybody, somebody calling a government official or talking to a government official in Georgia and telling something that they know is not true. That in itself is a fucking crime over and above trying to overturn the election or any of the other bullshit. But clearly he was trying to coerce these people. I mean, he not only said, uh, we won the election, we got so many votes and you got to be careful because if you don't follow through with what I want, you could go to jail. Well, here's a guy that presumably was the president of the country. And he's saying, you're going to go to jail if you don't do what I want to do. If that doesn't sound like bullying or coercion, I don't know what the fuck does. Of course it was. And then you have a senator from South Carolina calling up and saying virtually the same thing. And Lindsey Graham. Then you have uh, the president's chief of staff coming to Georgia to lobby you face-to-face. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, these people are deep into it, and uh, I cannot see how they escape some sort of penalty. Right. And, and and it seems like Fonnie Willis, you know, theoretically speaking, has far bigger balls than Merrick Garland does at this point. We don't know what Merrick Garland is going to do, but there's got to come a time when we fucking find out. And we haven't seen it as yet. So Fonnie Willis is apparently going to beat the DOJ to the punch with some indictments. Who she's going to indict, I don't know. But Donald Trump comes out and says, I'm exonerated because my name isn't in this report. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? When the Mueller report came out, he said he was fully exonerated. Well, that wasn't true because in that report, it said at the very least, there were 10 separate occasions where he committed obstruction. Well, they didn't indict him. Well, no, they don't indict him because apparently there's a fucking memo that says you don't indict a sitting president. But that doesn't mean he didn't commit the crime. This boggles my mind that so much stuff has become law that isn't. Right. This memo, who who issued it? A former AG, someone um, that they all seem to count out to. 
but there is no force of law behind this. Um, I mean, it makes no sense. If nobody's above the law, nobody's above the law. And that includes a sitting president. I'm right. sorry, it does. And uh, it has to. It has to. But uh, and there, there are other things like the Supreme Court, the idea that a corporation is a person. That goes back to the 1890s when our clerk inserted a note that said, I think if we polled the justices, they would all agree that a corporation uh, should be seen as a person. It's yeah. a footnote. Yeah. It's, nobody passed a law. Nobody voted on it. But yet it's become part of the jurisprudence when they look at other laws. This is insane. It needs to be it needs to be addressed. And what I don't get is we're following a memo or a footnote. But all these years within the Oval Office, there were these norms that a president wouldn't go beyond because they're norms right. and there could be some ramifications there. Or the Supreme Court not having an ethics code. They don't have an ethics code? No, they get to do whatever they want. But if they do whatever they want, they're going to get in trouble. But guess what? None of those norms had any kind of responsibility attached to it. Donald Trump yeah. just ran over the norms. The Supreme Court goes beyond their scope because there is no accountability. Congress does whatever the fuck they want. So why are we following a memo in the DOJ about not indicting a president, but not following the norms in the Oval Office or a code of ethics in the Supreme Court? It's just people wanting to uh, be confined by certain things and not by other things. And that's to me, that says there's a, a severe weakness in our government and in our judicial system that may be the biggest problem we have right now. Yeah, and I, we saw that with Bush versus Gore, for example. Right, right. There was no reason to bring the Supreme Court into that. I'm not even sure they had jurisdiction. Right. Uh, there are there were laws in place to, for the way that that uh, votes are counted and uh, uh, elections are um, conducted and so forth, and uh, it was a close election. And they were counting the votes, and then they stopped. They let the Supreme Court stop it, and uh, Gore acceded to it. And uh, they should have fought it. They should have fought it to the last man, because that allowed Bush to get in, um, bring it on a recession, start two wars that it took 20 years to get out of, loss of life, loss of uh, uh, destroying the economy, and so forth, all because we let the Supreme Court do something that they weren't entitled to do. Yeah. You know, we've got this thing in Minnesota. We keep hearing about it, that they're going to pass a cannabis law, you know, make yeah. marijuana legal. And I think they should. I'm, I'm not a marijuana smoker. I have no interest in it. And if it's legal, I still won't do it. But I think it's not a bad thing. If, if alcohol is legal, why not cannabis? But one of the arguments that somebody is, is putting out there, <laughs> why we can't legalize cannabis. Now, get this. I don't even know if you heard this. I there, saw this. Yeah. But there's a guy who says, we can't do that. We spent thousands of dollars training dogs to find cannabis. Now they'll be out of work. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dogs out of work because yeah. because they, they legalize cannabis. Well, I tell you what. The taxes we'll reap with cannabis will pay for those dogs million times over. It's just yeah, it's absolutely give them a pension. 
Yeah, they give, give them the, the pension, pension. Send them yeah. out to stud. You know, yeah, that's a good exactly. thing. But 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 the, the thing is, you're not you're not legalizing all drugs, and they no. use them for more than just pot. Right, right. I, I've got family members right now that take the Delta Nine, which is as close to real pot as you can get. But they have anxiety, and for them, it's been a fucking miracle drug. It's changed their lives. I've tried it, it and and it's never really had much effect on me because I don't have you're anxiety. Not anxious. No, I'm not anxious. I'm lazy motherfucker is what I am. But, um, but I mean, this is how it always goes with our government. Uh, they want to run over laws that, that, that help them, but they want to make lame excuses for laws they want to keep in force. Like the, like the abortion thing. It's, it's, you know, I understand their point of view about, uh, um, losing children but but how can you how can you set that with uh women 50 percent of this country not having full bodily autonomy i mean if you're going to do that then 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 maybe we'll just uh um we'll, we'll just give men operations where they can have kids it's it's all ridiculous it's all ridiculous yeah. at some point people have to be responsible for themselves and i understand that uh, Republicans are always saying we need less government. We need we don't need the government involved in everything. But they do just the opposite. They want to be yep. involved in everything. They want to tell you how to live, and that's that's the ultimate failure of the Republican Party. When people realize that, they're fucking done. Well, this is the thing, and it all goes back to a certain extent to religion and to a certain kind of religion that wants to impose its tenets on everybody, even though uh, this is a country where we have religious freedom, and that means freedom from religion as well as the freedom to practice our own religion, either right. practice one or none. But if you look at it from a strictly fair as fair viewpoint, we're, we're telling women, we want to be able to control your body. Okay, you get pregnant, we want to be able to say, you have to have that child. Well, why couldn't we also say to every 12-year-old boy, you have to have a vasectomy? Right, same uh, thing. We will, uh, if you want to have kids, we'll be, we will uh, for free, um, you know, fix that. Fix but that. To begin with, because we know you're a horn dog, and we know that you're going to do stuff that you probably shouldn't do, we're just going to fix it so you don't cause any harm. And it's but, not a big deal. It'll take, you know, take 15 minutes in the doctor's office and, and a little astringent. And then you're on your way. And then when you get married and you're 34 years old and you want to have some kids, yeah, we can re we can redo that or 24 or whatever. But you know, then, it, it's, then no, it, it's much less intrusive. But then it goes another step further. And it now they'll say, well, now. You, you're 32 years old. You want to have a child. Are you really ready for that? How much money are you making? Because you really got to make this threshold of money before we allow you to have kids. You've got to have this mental capacity before you have kids. And then once again, we've got this dystopian fucking country with with with, with politicians and government controlling everything. That's a severe problem. And that's what the Republicans want. That's why they have to be knocked down and finished, because we let one of these people go. It's like cancer. It'll just grow in this country, and ultimately it will come back, just like this did, this fascism shit. We've talked about it before. It happened in our history. It was knocked down. 
but somehow it grew back. Now, we'll probably never see it again because we'll be dead. But if we don't do something about this fascist attitude that we have in this country and we are even successful in tamping it down and, and neutralizing it, don't make a mistake and think it won't come back because we have seen it come back. Right. And I think our big problem was we did not do what Germany did after World War Two. Uh, you won't find Hitler in the phone book, not that there's phone books anymore, but after World War II, the name Hitler disappeared from Germany. You right. would, but you did not find any war memorials to Nazis, and you still don't to this day. Uh, but in the South, we allowed them to keep their, their rotten flag and the stars and bars. We allowed them to put up their statues and so forth. That should never have been allowed. And, and we allowed them to create this myth of the, uh, the noble cause or, or whatever right. you want to call it. You know, we, we let that division take place and let it be nurtured. And we turned our backs when they created Jim Crow laws and all of that. And uh, it's, it's festered and festered and festered. And that's why it's still with us. It should have been shut down and it should have been shut down hard way long time ago. But we didn't do that. You know, it's funny. Every time I see these people say this uh, flag is my heritage, you know what I think about? And only people of our age will even recognize this reference. Every time I see that, I go back to the 60s and the Beverly Hillbillies. And Granny would say, the South is going to rise again. Old Jeff Davis is coming back. (laughs) And it was a joke back then. But it really wasn't a joke because there are people that still fucking believe that. Yeah, when I was a kid, one of the most popular uh, um, down here, see, we don't have to have two license plates. We only have to have one on the back, which makes no sense at all. But it's the case. So everybody has these novelty plates on the front. Right. And the most popular one ever was one of it looked like a, a stars and bars, the Confederate flag, and it was this guy in a Confederate Confederate uniform, an old guy saying, "Forget hell." Uh, that was the most popular uh, license plate in my youth uh, growing up here. And um, I probably was in high school because before I started to uh, um, change my ways, I did not know that my grandfather fought for the North. Really? Nobody had ever told me that. It wasn't until years later. Um, my grandfather had owned this farm. In, in an area called Poor Valley, and we'd gone there as kids, and we found this old graveyard. And there was, uh, and, and I remembered a name in it. So years later, my brother, older brother, and I went to look at this graveyard, and we found our great grandfather's um, tombstone, and he was a corporal in the Northern Army. Wow. Nobody had told us that. There had been rumors to that effect. But uh, and then right now, if I go to the courthouse, which is just a few blocks from here, there's a plaque that tells the vote when Hawkins County wanted to secede or not. They took a vote. Twelve hundred and I think it's twelve hundred and fifty five people voted not to secede. Eight hundred and fifty five voted to secede. Hawkins County did not secede from uh, the uh, the uh, from the Union or voted wow. against it, and and the Confederate troops had to come in and occupy East Tennessee because that was the case in East Tennessee. They did not vote 
uh, to secede. So we were technically Yankees. We just didn't know it. <laughs> do you think there's do you think there's people in Tennessee that still deny the fact that there are any Tennesseans that 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 went the opposite way of the Confederacy? Oh, absolutely. Every Martin Luther King day, there used to be this old guy who showed up on Main Street with a Confederate flag and a Confederate uniform, white beard, looked like Santa Claus in a Confederate uniform. He did it every year. Uh, this past year, I had decided, because I have a, I have a uh, Union uniform. My brother used to be a reenactor. He wore a Union uniform. <laughs> and uh, he gave it he gave it to me to do a ghost tour thing I did. So I was going to go up and get on the opposite side of the street with my uh, my northern uniform and my rifle and bayonet and just march around and just just to just to get his goat. But uh, <laughs> but he didn't show up this year. So I guess he finally died. Yeah, well, well, hopefully he died. You know, these people need to die off. And hopefully when the boomers go by the wayside and the millennials and Gen Z's take over, there's a different attitude in this country because uh, it's amazing after all these years, how little has, has really changed as far as racism and as far as this separation between the South and the North. And it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. These people, yeah, uh, that, the wound, it never healed. And, and yeah. part of it, I'm afraid, and I have to throw this in there is, uh, even even uh, my friends and so forth, during the era of civil rights, when I was in high school, elementary and high school, the civil rights was really percolating, uh, we looked at the North and we didn't see a big difference, but yet it was all focused on the South. I mean, right. if you look, if you go to Boston, with all the violence they had when they were trying to integrate the schools with busing and all that, Anywhere, it's just that, uh, and you grew up in Minnesota, you grew up in South Minneapolis, where I lived also, and uh, you saw how the city was redlined so that the black kids went mostly to certain schools. Oh, the yeah. One, uh, the one uh, where we worked, or where I worked, uh, was was redlined into having mostly black students. When I was in, uh, when I was in grade school, I went to Longfellow Elementary School, good school. And there were white kids, mostly white kids, and there were some black kids. And I never thought about it back then. But if I think about it now, most of those black kids lived on the same street. All of them lived on the same two streets <coughs> right near Mini, right, right near Minnehaha, actually. And it was a more busy, a little more rundown area at the time. It's not now, but, but, but you're absolutely right there was a red line and even in South Minneapolis at that point. Now yeah. we interacted with these kids. It wasn't a racist thing at school, not to a large degree. I mean, there were some kids that were uninitiated or, or influenced by their racist parents, but for the most part, everybody kind of got along, but they were kind of limited to one certain area. And, and a white person probably would not buy a house in that area unless right. they were financially challenged or something. So Southern people resented that when the finger was being pointed at them for being racist, but at the same time, the North was no better. No, uh, it, it's still all. no better. It's still no right. better. I mean, I mean, for a long time, I don't know if it still is, and I love Boston. I absolutely love Boston. But for a long time, it was considered a really racist town. Mm -hmm. The most racist place I ever lived was Waterloo, Iowa. 
Waterloo Cedar Falls. Really? When we were when we were moving in there, that's where my first radio job was. We went to Cedar Falls to look at an apartment, and the landlord said, "Well, you won't have to worry about them." We redlined <laughs> that years ago. Really? Wow. Yeah. Only he didn't say them. Well, you know, I've, and I've told the story too. When I lived in a suburb of Minneapolis. Mostly white suburb, but there were black people in, in in the suburb. But it was mostly white, white, very white bread. I had the situation where you know I'm probably thirty two, thirty three, and I'm standing outside on my lawn, and my neighbor comes over, a woman comes over to me, and points out a house, a house where there were people in it that we were both friends with, and they moved right. to a different part of town. She comes up to me and she goes. Ah, Know who's moving in there? And it always struck me funny that every time they got to talking about this, they had to whisper like somebody was yep. listening in. And I said, no, who's moving in there? And he said, black people. I go, oh, okay, cool. She says, aren't you worried about it? I go, no, because it's, it, 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 it's the 2000s, not the 60s anymore. So, no, I'm not worried about it. And she was very upset. And they ultimately moved to kind of the area where that group moved. I got to know the the family, this black family. They had a little girl that uh, was similar to my, my son's age, and she worked up at the holiday station. Love this fucking kid. She was a great kid. When she graduated, we went to her graduation party. But we were the only white people at the graduation party. And, yeah. you know, at first it was a little uncomfortable, but these fucking people couldn't be nicer. The food was amazing. So we had a good time. But it just goes to show that as much as we think we've we we've improved over the years, we really haven't. It's just people aren't people weren't talking out loud about it at the time, and now with the uh, the introduction of Donald Trump in our politics, now everybody feels brave enough to stand out and say racist shit like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert, and and uh, they don't get canceled as much as they hate the cancel culture. They cancel more people, and they say things that should get them canceled and don't. Well, absolutely. And one of my stock answers, because I get a lot of invitations down here, uh, why don't you come to our church? I think you'd like it. And I always ask, um, you got any black people in your church? No. When you get some, let me know. (laughs) You know, I've said this before on the show, and you know this fear that white people might become the uh, the the minority, and uh, uh, and I thought I, I don't really care if I'm the minority or not. Really, it doesn't make it. I, I never I never really thought about it. And then I found out that in Savannah, Georgia, a place my wife and I absolutely <laughs> love, that it's fifty eight percent black and thirty nine percent. White people, and I'm thinking, if that is an example of being a minority and having the black people in the majority, I'll fucking live down there. I I had a great time. I was in a last time I was in Georgia a couple of weeks ago. I was in Publix. I love this when this happens, and it freaks my wife out when it happens because it. But I'm in Publix and I'm talking to this this cashier, and I bought some potato salad, and she goes, "Well, that's Southern potato salad." She was from Iowa. I go, what's yeah. the difference between Southern and, and, and Northern? She says, well, Southern has some pickle juice in it and it has mustard base. And I go, well, my mom always made it mustard base. So that, that's not yeah. that big a deal to me. We're talking back and forth. And this, uh, 
older black gentleman, about my age, comes walking by and he stops. He goes, are you the guy on TikTok? And I said, uh, I said, yeah. And he puts up his fist and he goes, my brother. (laughs) And we talked for a little bit and I moved on. I, I said, you know, I've run into people that aren't the finest people in Minneapolis, and I love Minneapolis, but uh, I have yet to run into anybody in Georgia, in Savannah, Georgia, that wasn't friendly, nice, uh, and warm. And if that is if that is what it's like to be in the minority, fucking give me more of it. Well, I, I learned... Um... You know, I went to, I grew up in a town with a very small black population. I went to a college, which had very few black people. Um, and then when I got out of college, I got drafted. Right. Suddenly I was a minority. Right. When I went, I went to Charleston, South Carolina for my basic training. And not only was I a minority on base in my company, in my platoon, um, there were probably maybe 25% white, the rest black, and the rest black and Puerto Rican. Right. A few Asians sprinkled in. But uh, uh, if, if you went, if you when you finally got to leave, if you went out on in town, the same thing. In Charleston, heavily black population. Uh, uh, so I was uh, suddenly a minority for the first time in my life, and I and I began to get a glimpse of how it might feel. Then I went to Korea yeah. <laughs> for the next two years. I'm a complete minority because I'm in an Asian country where uh, a much smaller group of, of uh, uh, Americans, there's actually probably more black soldiers than white there. And we're right. all outnumbered by far by, by the Koreans. So I learned early what it's like to be a minority and uh, and how sometimes it can be uncomfortable. And I found out that I, I am prejudiced against white people, especially yeah. white old men. <laughs> yes. I don't like those motherfuckers, and I can say Me that because I'm a white old man, and exactly. uh, I, I'm part of the part of the group, part of the problem. Well, we're running out of time, Ed. Uh, we'll wrap things up, but I thank you for stopping by and talking about some of the things we talked about today. It's always good to get a a different perspective and you always bring that. So thanks very much for coming by. You bet. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you again. Yeah, absolutely. For those of you at home, thank you for taking the time out of your day to actually listen. Uh, I know we tend to ramble a time or two, but you folks are always there to tune in and listen. And I appreciate it immensely. I hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the rational boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.